eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Chip Brown here with Horns247.com. Welcome to the flagship podcast, joined, as always, by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Chip. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. Um, It is uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, March 1st. We are in... March Madness. <laughs> and we are also five days away from the start of spring football for the Texas Longhorns, who will get things going on Monday, March 6th, when we expect to hear from Steve Sarkeesian after we got uh we we had a we were supposed to have a chance to talk to him, and then the ice storm hit and we didn't get to talk to yeah. him. Apparently it impacted Zoom too, because we were supposed to do a Zoom with him for weather reasons. And yeah. Yeah. And uh <laughs> and so that uh that happened. But uh we've also got a huge basketball game tonight for Texas basketball. They're taking on TCU in Fort Worth. This is a must-win situation uh with Kansas beating Texas Tech last night. Uh Kansas um their final regular season game will be at Texas on Saturday. If Texas can beat TCU tonight in Fort Worth, then that game will be for an opportunity for the Texas Longhorns to at least uh, gain a share of the Big 12 regular season title with Kansas if they can beat the Jayhawks in Austin. But first things first, uh, tonight, Texas at TCU. TCU coming off that win over Texas Tech in Lubbock last weekend and Taylor last night Texas baseball oh what a game I I mean zeros uh with a great pitching performance from both sides LeBaron Johnson fantastic for Texas he's it's starting to come together for him and afterward David Pierce talking about the, the great relationship that LeBaron Johnson's forming with new pitching coach Woody Williams um, and added a split finger fastball uh, and a slider to his repertoire. And uh, he was fantastic last night against LSU, but the bullpen 
uh, gives up uh, three three runs in the ninth, um, some walks, and then uh, a home run, and LSU basically, uh, well, they they didn't walk off because they were the away team, but basically put the dagger in the in the Longhorns late. But LSU, the number one team, Texas getting some good pitching, so uh, some some stuff to build on, even though you lose three zip to LSU. Yeah, there definitely is. And um, I mean, great performance by LeBaron Johnson. I mean, that was, I think it was a career high nine strikeouts in the five innings scoreless innings that he did pitch, but you know, it definitely broke down, but um, spring football, I think chip, we, we've been doing a position preview here on the flagship podcast and uh, we're going to continue that today. There's so much going on with football coming up. So many things to watch. Um, and, you know, it all starts on Monday. So a lot of sports stuff going, but as always, football season never ends here on the flagship podcast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's where all the excitement is uh, in anticipation of this upcoming 2023 football season, the last of the Longhorns football seasons in the Big 12. And all the expe- all the expectations are on Texas to win it. So um, let's, let's get into it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about the receivers and the corners today for Texas and Taylor, when you, you know, you talk about the, uh, and we are live. So if you want to join in and, uh, you know, throw in some questions on the, uh, on the live stream, that's, that's fine too. Uh, but when you look at the receivers, uh, when we go back a year ago, um, there was concern mm-hmm. and, um, you know, namely the lack of depth. And then sure enough, Isaiah Nayer goes down with the, with the torn ACL in fall camp and depth absolutely was a concern for Texas football last year at the receiver position. And when you combine that with um, Quinn Ewers being a first year um you know, starting quarterback in college football, um, it was it was not a great year for the receiver position. And um, Xavier Worthy's numbers were down from his freshman season. Uh, Jordan Whittington, his numbers were down. And then, you know, you had Casey Kane and and uh, I mean, Jatavian Sanders, the tight end, ended up being <laughs> the second leading receiver by receptions on the team. So. Um, but now flash forward to where we are going into spring football and you look at the receiver room and suddenly um, it's so crowded that Savion red has moved to running back and you've, you know, you've got Nair back from the injury, although we're still waiting to hear from Steve Sarkeesian about what his availability will be for spring football and the spring game on April 15th. But you've got AD Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell coming in from Georgia, 6'4", 190, with some great experience. You've got John Tate Cook, uh, the five-star freshman who's an early enrollee. DeAndre Moore is an early enrollee freshman, another you know, highly recruited four-star little, um, you know, I mean, talented, little thicker um, than John Tate Cook. But, um, you know, Brennan Thompson's a year older in this offense along with Jordan Whittington and uh, Xavier Worthy. So that receiver room 
is shaping up to be a big time strength. And I've said this before, but Steve Sarkeesian, uh, I'm hearing is telling, you know, people in his inner, inner circle, this receiver room is the kind of room that resembles what he had at Alabama, or at least is closer to what yeah. he had at Alabama. Yeah. And I see a question here from our YouTube channel, CTE 11. This is a good question, Chip, that I think is important for us to address here. You know, with Nayer and Mitchell, do you think that will shift Worthy into the slot more often? That's going to be interesting because, I mean, when you look at Xavier Worthy, he physically looks more like a slot receiver, you know, the speedster a little bit. But he, you know, I, I do feel like last season with the way that, you know, the passing game went, it wasn't all on. Xavier Worthy. It wasn't all on Quinn Ewers. It was, you know, kind of collectively a whole, but I feel like the, there was so much pressure on Xavier Worthy because he was the only deep ball threat. And I'm not sure if that's really necessarily where he's best, you know, because there were a lot of contested catches in the deep ball passing game last year. And he's not great at that. And that's not, I'm not trying to knock on him. It's just, it's not, it wasn't one of his strengths. He struggled if there is a contested catch, but now you have two big body receivers who may, you know, we've talked about this a little bit on Monday, may kind of fill a role similar to what Lil Jordan Humphrey and what um, Colin Johnson were for Sam Ellinger in his second year in 2018. You know, then they had Devin DuVernay too, kind of a little bit more of the speedster guy. I kind of feel like that would make sense to me, but what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I can see, um, I think Xavier Worthy's more comfortable uh, at an outside receiver position. Um you know, the thing you love about the slot is you need a guy who's going to be able to make catches over the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and Xavier Worthy has uh, struggled a little bit. He's he's certainly struggled with it more than, than Jordan Whittington, who's been really good catching balls over the middle and is thicker. Mm -hmm. um, but Sarkeesian's going to move him around. It would not shock me if Isaiah Nair and – A.D. Mitchell rotated, mm -hmm. um, you know, in Tom Herman's offense, it was the, it was called the X receiver. It's the big receiver on the backside of the quarterback. Um, you know, sometimes it's the last receiver in the progression, but you have a big receiver over there because they're easier to find late in the progression. And, and so it'll be interesting to see if, you know, because Sarkeesian really values speed. Um, and so, you know, Jonte Cook, that's a guy who could be competing in the slot. Um, DeAndre Moore could be competing in the slot with Jordan Whittington. And, and so, you know, what I'm most interested to see is the emergence of Quinn Ewers, the maturity of Quinn Ewers, and his ability to find those receivers over the middle and not focus so much on, on Xavier Worthy. And, and really more just finding his second and third receivers in the progression. And, um, you know, I felt like Jordan Whittington was underused last year uh, because he was, he was great so in the, on... like blocking downfield, you know? Yeah. yeah. He was and great with good. the ball, not he's... in his hands too. Yeah. Right. He's a good blocker downfield. And, you know, I'll say this about Brendan Marion, his receivers blocked downfield. Casey Kane, mm -hmm. um, they helped a lot with the running game. And that that's going to have to continue under Chris Jackson, who's got all these new faces uh, in that receiver room. All those names I just mentioned, Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore, A.D. Mitchell. Um, 
you know, we haven't seen Isaiah Nair as a run blocker yet uh, or as a receiver who can block downfield to help the running game, but that's going to be required, especially with, um, you know, new faces at the running back position. So uh, we know Bijan Robinson and, you know, Bijan Robinson led the nation in forced missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus last year. We know that guy can make stuff happen, whether you're blocking for him or not. But, yeah, um, you know, the new the new receiving or excuse me, the new running back room this year uh, with Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter, Savion Red, you know, Jaden Blue. Those guys are going to need those receivers help downfield. Yeah, they definitely are. And this uh, comment here by SD, the pass game must be on point. This season, running backs kind of scary. You know, I, I would say I could see definitely that. I mean, there's a lot of talent in the running back room, but nobody that's really been called upon to be the the main, um, you know, contributor at running back. Jonathan Brooks had the opportunity technically to in the Alamo Bowl with both Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson sitting out, and he, you know, they didn't really utilize the running game very much, so he has not really had the chance. We don't, we don't know how well the running back room, how well maybe one guy is going to be able to take all of the load or if they're going to split it up, similar to what they did with Bijan and Roshan last year, with obviously Bijan being the leading back. But yeah, the the emergence of Quinn Ewers is going to be huge. And a lot of times, you know, we say it a lot, the biggest leap that you see oftentimes at the college level from quarterbacks happen between their first year to their second year. And so you want to see that progression. You want to see, I know I keep going back to this analogy. You want to see the progression in year two in um, Steve Sarkeesian's offense for Quinn Ewers that you did see from Sam Ellinger, you know, and from his true freshman season to his sophomore season in 2018, you know, aside from that Maryland game, he finished the year with five, only five interceptions and what was it like um, 3,000 yards, over 3,000 yards passing. I mean, there was a substantial leap when it came to came to his understanding, I feel like the game slowed down a lot for him. And that's what I think you're looking for from Quinn Ewers, because there's way too many weapons now at receiver to, you know, have that be something that's hindering the the progression of the offense, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Quinn Ewers has to take that natural next step as a second year starter in this offense. And that, you know, that should help um, everybody. Uh, honestly, and that's, um, you know, that's something that that's one of the biggest storylines we'll be watching when spring football kicks off next Monday. And, and his, I liked Quinn Ewer's accountability at the Alamo bowl. Yeah. I liked that. He said after the Oklahoma game, I kind of felt like I had things figured out. And then after the Oklahoma state game, I realized, oh man, I got a lot more to learn. And, and so he knows, he knows yeah. that he's got to dig in uh, and, and learn the details. He's got to study the defense as closely as they're studying him so that he uh, can know tips and tendencies too, for, you know, for um, his ability to connect with receivers in the passing game. And, and now you've got Arch Manning in that room pushing him. Um, and that's, that only helps that yeah. that kind of competition uh, usually leads to um, better performance because you're having to be sharp every day in practice to to stay ahead of your, you know, the guy behind you. Uh, yeah. In this case, it's Malik Murphy and uh, Arch Manning. So 
Um, yeah. Iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. 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 And, and I will say, yeah, I, I agree with you when you talk about with Quinn Ewers, his accountability, he was remember like from an age perspective, he was a true freshman because he was supposed to just graduate, you know, he uh, reclassified and all of that. And I feel like the fact that he was able to take accountability to recognize that he hadn't figured it out and wasn't afraid to talk about that. That's a type of maturity probably beyond his years a little bit. Um, you know, especially with him being like 18 years old, probably I think last at 19 at the oldest, but 18 years old, probably, um, that type of accountability doesn't just happen overnight. So I think he has a very mature, um, perspective in the way that he is going about it. And he's got to show it in spring. Um, because again, he has no reason to not have the, you know, a good connection with the receivers now with him being one more year into the offense. And these receivers can really help him and take a lot of pressure off of him too, and take pressure off of the running game too, similar to how the running game last year took pressure off of the passing game at times, because it could, you know, carry the load with all new starters at running back. This, the receiver group can really be the one that can help and, and Quinn Ewers too. Yeah. I see this, this, um, love it or leave it. I love it from Frank, uh, De Cluet. <laughs> Uh, love it or leave it, Texas has uh, two 1,000-yard receivers this year. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that because that's typically when you have like a fourth or fifth-year quarterback who knows exactly what the defense is doing on every play. I think Quinn Ewers is still evolving in that direction, um, but there's certainly the talent to have to 1,000-yard receivers. I just don't know that it'll happen. That's a that's a tall ask. Um, and considering Xavier Worthy did not even get to 1,000 yards his freshman year when he had, you know, 62 receptions, 12 touchdown catches, uh, shows you that 1,000-yard receivers are special. And, yeah. and we'll see if, um, you know, the thing about – Steve Sarkeesian's offense is typically too, or is the running back typically catches between 25 and 35 passes, which is higher than what we've seen, um, you know, say under the Tom Herman regime, um, you know, Sarkeesian does a really good job of spreading the ball around. And I think that was one of the more disappointing um, aspects among the receivers. Now he got Jadavian Sanders, the ball, and that proved to be, great first team all big 12 tight end and the guy has hands and makes contested catches and that's guys like that you'll throw them the football all day long um that's where xavier worthy's got to take the next step he's got to be uh, a better um you know contested catch maker and a better ball tracker and yeah. and so you know i think that's where I'm probably the most excited about A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nair, John Tate Cook coming in because uh, those guys are hungry for the football and will go wherever they have to go to get it. Yeah, for sure. Now, what I have a, I'm going to kind of flip this on you a little bit. Would, do you think Texas would have two receivers combined for 2,000 yards or more? I think that's possible. Mm -hmm. I think that's possible. Yeah. I think you could have – you know, Xavier Worthy or someone with 1,200 yards and another receiver with 800. Mm -hmm. I think that's possible. Yeah. I, I looked back. That's what 
because I couldn't remember. I knew at least there was at least one 1,000 yard receiver in the 2018 season. And that was a little Jordan Humphrey. And then Colin Johnson was 985. So they did have, and that passing game and the receivers were, that was the strength of the team that year. Um, I think it's possible. I do it, with the second year quarterback, but I agree. I think two 1,000 yard receivers with a second year quarterback probably is asking a little bit too much, but well, and especially with Jatavian Sanders, it's rare yeah, you it's have a tight true. end who can stretch the field like Jatavian Sanders. He takes, you know, he's going to end up taking some of those receiver passes away because he's so talented. Mm-hmm. And that, and he qualifies as a, I mean, if we want to call him a receiver, yeah, um, <laughs> but he's a tight end. So that, uh, you know, and he's a guy who could could come close, who could approach a thousand yards and receiving after what we saw this this past year. That guy is so hungry um, and is such a sponge, has such a high football IQ. And I've already written how he's emerging as one of the the new key vocal leaders on this offense. And they need him to because he's not afraid. He's not afraid to to speak up and hold others accountable. Uh, people made a, you know, a semi, <laughs> right, semi yeah. big deal about him, you know, kind of getting after worthy for not catching those deep balls. And, um, and so, Hey, you got to have that. And mm-hmm. when you lose Roshan Johnson, uh, you're going to need that vocal leadership. And, and that's the other part we don't know right now about this receiver room. We know Jordan Whittington is sort of the you know, lead by example, when something needs to be said, he'll say it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not natural for Jordan Whittington to be the, the vocal guy. Is A.D. Mitchell a guy? Is Isaiah Nair a guy? I mean, Nair has that crazy story of how, you know, he was going to school in Minnesota. He was a basketball player. He moves to Arlington Martin and he's taking a computer class in the the teacher is a, one of the assistant coaches on the football team and sees his size 15 shoe and is like, Hey, do you play football? It's <laughs> like, never have. He's like, well, we need you to come out and be a part of our winter conditioning program. And the next thing, you know, the guy develops into a, a D one prospect goes to Wyoming, catches 12 touchdown catches in one season. So he's, he's raw and untapped, but he's also as hungry as you can get. I mean, that guy wants to, to be special. He wants to play in the NFL. Um, and that's, that's what you got to have. You can't, you can't half step it. You can't have a guy who's just happy to be on the team, happy to go down to sixth street in the UT gear and, you know, pick up co-eds. You need a guy who wants to, as Chris Beard used to say, has no backup plan. Right. Yeah. And, and I do think, Maybe he, you know, we haven't really ever had the chance to talk to Isaiah Nair yet, even uh, though he was, you know, emerged as the probably lead receiver before his injury in fall camp last year. But he has already built relationships on this roster where a guy like A.D. Mitchell, you know, I, I would imagine it would be difficult to come in as a transfer and try to be the vocal leader day one, you know, because it's. I feel, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I feel like if that were, if I was in that locker room and somebody did that, I would kind of be like, you, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, and so I do, I wonder 
what Isaiah Nair is from a, a leadership standpoint, we don't know. But I do think him having established relationships, being in this offense, even though he wasn't playing last season, but being in that locker room, it will be interesting to see kind of his demeanor, his personality, and if he could be a guy that can emerge as a vocal leader and take some of the pressure off of guys that may not enjoy doing that, um, but you know may have to at times like a Jordan Winnington or something like that. But there's no doubt Jatavian Sanders for sure is going to be a vocal leader. I had no problem with what he did at the Alamo Bowl. I mean, I remember sitting next to Jeff Howe and I was just like scanning. So I was, I was actually looking for Xavier Worthy just to see his sideline demeanor after he had those two back-to-back drops that well, they both could have probably been touchdown passes, honestly. But um, I was looking for him. And then all of a sudden I like spotted Jatavian Sanders being like pulled away. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I said to Jeff, I was like, I don't know what happened, but Jatavian Sanders is pissed. I was like so much so that they are literally pulling him away. And then Jeff Banks pulled him further and sat and talked to him for probably like five minutes on the sideline. I was like, we missed something, but something happened there on the sideline. And then, you know, with what we did find out it was, I had no problem with it. Like, you know, if you, if you have two drop passes and you come over and you're just like, whatever, somebody needs to check you. And, and Jatavian Sanders was very capable and willing to do that. And I think that's not a bad thing in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, you got to have those guys who are willing to put themselves out there. Uh, you you can't lead unless you're producing, right? And and so the more guys who are producing and are willing to put themselves in that accountability role, uh, the better. Because there are some nice tendencies uh, from what we're hearing about the work ethic of even some of the newcomers. Um, you know. I talked about Anthony Hill and CJ Baxter and the insider here recently. Uh, these guys are no nonsense and, and that's what it's all about. I mean, um, they're just going to go do it. And we, we saw that from Kelvin Banks last year. I'm not trying to put that on CJ Baxter and Anthony Hill at this point, but um, it sounds like it's possible. Yeah, for sure. And, and especially like, you know, Calvin Banks came in in the summer. I remember being at Big 12 Media Days and Bijan told the story about um, like they were doing some like workouts in the the weight room. And he kind of joked with Calvin Banks and Calvin Banks just like basically was like looked at him like I'm here to work. And it's like at that time, we didn't know what Calvin Banks was going to be at that time. We didn't know what his if he was going to be a starter or not, because you know, fall camp hadn't even started yet. And it, it, he delivered for sure, you know? And so, yeah, I, I, I like the no nonsense approach too. It's possible. Clearly it's a lot of pressure to put on freshmen because I don't think that's the norm, you know, but, but Calvin Banks definitely delivered too. Yeah. Yeah. And Bijan was funny about it. Cause Bijan was yeah. like trying to be a tough, you know, upperclassman. Yeah. It was like, Hey, we're getting our work on today, Kelvin. Yeah. The offensive line was finishing as the running backs were coming in and, and Kelvin's like, have you been watching me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm working my ass off in here. Yeah. So it, uh, that's what you got to like, have. Whoa. I mean, Kelvin yeah. Banks, he's, he's a guy we know is willing to be a vocal leader and be accountable. And that's, that's awesome. He, he'll be able to do that as a sophomore. And, you know, the more you look around this team at each of these position groups, you, you find there's a guy. And that's what you have to have. You have to have a, you have to have a leader in 
every position group for, for the team to, to really take off. And that's, you know, that's big time. Obviously Jake majors is a guy who the team respects and is a, is willing to be vocal and hold people accountable. But man, the more big guys, Casey Hampton always told me this, the more big intimidating guys you have who are big time producers and leaders, the better your team's going to be because the whole, the whole team will fall in line uh, because they'll, they fear those guys. They fear the, say, yeah. <laughs> the big guys, you know, you got to have a, um, as Mike Rosenthal, our, our friend, we used to do radio with used to say, you need a, a couple guys on the defensive line with a screw loose, yeah. <laughs> you know, or maybe, you know, a couple short of a six pack, uh, because you need those guys to just be reckless and willing to do whatever it takes to, uh, to, to make the play. And the more of those guys you have, the more, uh, of an intimidation factor you have like a Roy Miller type. Yeah. Roy Miller. I mean, you know, my gosh, the, uh, the list of defensive tackles at Texas is, is so impressive and it. And it's, um, you know, it got a nice shot in the arm last year from Keandre Coburn, Morrow, uh, Ojimo. Ojimo was the highest rated defensive lineman on the team last year, according to pro football focus. And so, you know, now, now you got to have it from, from guys like, uh, you know, Byron Murphy, Vernon Broad, Tavondre Sweat, um, you know, Alfred Collins. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about how Alfred Collins needs to just, he needs to go from David Banner um, to the Hulk. You know, enough of this nice guy stuff. Now it's time to just, um, you know, just get nasty. And that's what we saw from Keandre Coburn last year. Hopefully uh, for Alfred Collins, it's a similar step where he's just, you know, pushing linemen backward, collapsing pockets, disrupting the running game. Um, because that was a huge key to Texas leading the nation in, in quarterback pressures last year was the ability to just, you know, impose your will on the guy across from you backwards and disrupt everything. So, um, you know, Taylor, as we kind of wrap up the, the receiver group, the, you know, the speed factor is, is huge. And when you look at Xavier Worthy, Jonte Cook, uh, Brennan Thompson, um, you know, those are three 10 flat hundred guys. And um, that's, that's where Steve Sarkeesian's eyes start to light up because yeah. he wants speed, speed, speed uh, guys who scare the defense in terms of getting behind those safeties and, and making the big play. And now he's starting to, to stack up that speed at that position. Yeah. Like kind of what he had in 2020 at Alabama with, you know, Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith. And I mean, that the list actually goes on probably from speed at the skill position on that team, but um, yeah, Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs. Yeah. I mean, those guys were, they're all just burners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I saw this before we get to the cornerback part, um, you know, preview, I did see this question here from uh, DJ dog. 31 Texas does have 14 true freshmen and enro- early enrollees that will be there with spring. I'll just list the names here. It's Arch Manning, Anthony Hill, Cedric Baxter, Jonte Cook, 
Malik Muhammad, DeAndre Moore, Colton Vasek, uh, Darian Gallette, Jaden Chapman, Sadir Mitchell, Leona Leifau, Peyton Kirkland, Connor Stroh, and Andre Kojo. Those are the 14 true freshmen. And then Texas also has Wake Forest cornerback Gavin um, oh my, Holmes, who just transferred in. Um, he is on the on campus. Uh, Jalen Catalan, transfer from Arkansas, is there. And then um, uh, obviously A.D. Mitchell from Georgia, too. So there's 17 yeah. mid-year enrollees, 14 true freshmen, and then the three transfers. It's the most Texas has ever had. Yeah. As, and it's, uh, it's impressive, too, that it's like some of their top-rated signees are actually early enrollees. I mean, all five, all four five-star, you know, prospects are on campus right now. Yeah. And then several top 247 um, prospects, too. So, Yeah, we talk about how Calvin Banks, who ended up being a monster as a true freshman, was not an early enrollee. Just imagine if he was. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was able to digest everything and and play with that kind of confidence as a June enrollee. So um, there's no question that it makes a big difference because look at, look at Cole Hudson last year. He was the only early enrollee of that, that banner offensive line recruiting group uh, in that 2022 class. He ended up starting every game at right guard. He was not as highly touted as, um, DJ Campbell, um, who now needs to take that step uh, with Cole Hudson recovering from uh, from uh, sh- surgery. So uh, it, it makes a difference, that early enrollee uh, and the fact that they have um, Jonte Cook at the receiver position. You mentioned A.D. Mitchell uh, and DeAndre Moore all in at January, learning this offense, getting – getting comfortable uh, is big. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And David Williams here pointed out, Ryan Niblett also ran a 10-4 last year as a junior um, and expected to run 10-2 as a senior. So he's not on campus yet, but he will be with the summer enrollees. So more speed there at the receiver position. That's right. That's right. Um, All right. Well, let's move on to the cornerback position because this – this group is loaded and, mm-hmm. you know, you look at Ryan Watts uh, at that boundary corner position and he's, he's not going anywhere. Um, but that, that field corner position where Deshaun Jameson uh, has now departed. Um, that's, that's where all the competition is, is going to be. And it's, it's exciting. You got Terrence Brooks who came on, Late last year, Austin Jordan got on the field last year and and learned and is a guy who's hungry and came from that Denton Ryan uh, powerhouse program that won the state championship in in 2020 in class 5A and and Xavion Bryce. Now, those are the guys who, you know, were here last year. They're in their second year and all long-armed, fast. Um, the competition I hear is intense. You mentioned Gavin Holmes coming in, um, and that's a veteran guy. And and then you throw in Malik Muhammad as an early enrollee, another, you know, top 
recruited his position in the nation, long arm, fast. Um, I, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Now, Jalen Gilbo is banged up and that we got to hear from Steve Sarkeesian on this because, um, you know, he, he basically missed most of last season with a knee injury. Um, and, you know, it sounds like there's been some complications there. So we need to find out what's going on with Jalen Gilbo because that kid is a monster and, and is being groomed to, to take over for, um, you know, Jade Barron when, when he leaves at nickel. So this is, uh, you know, this is a loaded room and I have high expectations for the Texas cornerback position in 2023. Yeah. And that was the thing I will say last season early in, you know, winter conditioning, we had heard that um, Jalen Gilbo had come along so well that some former Texas players had come and like, you know, watched some workouts and went to Deshaun Jamison was like, you better step it up or you're going to get passed over by this kid. Then he did have a, you know, a team suspension. Um, so that, you know, gave Deshaun Jamison more of a chance to take a step. And he, he played pretty well. I feel like Deshaun Jamison got a lot of, uh, you know, kind of cri criticism from last year that was, it, to me, it almost seemed like a carryover from the year before that people still, anytime that someone caught a pass on him, it was like, oh, here we go again. Because he he did struggle, you know, as a in the 2021 season. But uh, that he's a guy that had a lot of experience, a lot of game reps. Um, he's going to be difficult to replace from the, that experience standpoint. But I think from a talent standpoint, it seems to me like this cornerback room is probably more talented than I can recall seeing. Um, probably back to like when, you know, um, like Holton Hill and uh, Chris Boyd and um, those, and uh, who was the other, I've lost, I can't think of what his name is. Uh, Devontae, da uh, Devontae Davis, you know, when yeah. they were there, that was, a, that was a talented cornerback room. I feel like this one is toe to toe, if not better. Yeah. has the potential to be, I should say. Yeah. And that's, that's where um, this spring is going to be huge because uh, those guys all stuck around, you know, they didn't, they didn't see uh, doors closing. They, they stuck around because they want to compete and be a part of this culture and be a part of this team as it rises up. Um, and, and so they're, they're in it. Uh, for the battle and and that you know that's great news because you need depth you, you you've got to be too deep at every position and Texas has lacked that certainly at the safety position but even you know even at corner I mean uh, last year there was a good lesson learned for both Terrence Brooks and Austin Jordan um, in the Iowa State game Ryan Watts goes down um, they needed to shuffle both those guys got playing time. Both those guys had some struggles when they when they got back on the field uh, for their next opportunity. They were ready, yeah. And and so you can get lulled to sleep if if guys ahead of you are doing well and you're thinking, well, I'm not I'm not ready to beat that guy out. Well, what if he gets hurt? Right. You got to be ready. And yeah. and so I think there were some good lessons learned by those those talented young guys. And I'm excited to see what Xavier and Bryce brings because, you know, I had people telling me last year that Bryce 
was undeterred and is a, you know, is a guy who will stick his nose in and make tackles and is stride for stride with receivers down the field. So, um, you know, you're not, you're not hearing about any hangdog guys who are like resigned to be second or third on the depth chart. You're hearing about guys who are constantly fighting to get to the top of the depth chart. And that's, that's when your program takes the next step. Yeah. And as you said, you know, with both uh, Terrence Brooks and Austin Jordan, where they had to go in for Ryan Watts in the Iowa state game when he left with, I think it was a stinger, right. That he had or something. Um, Right before the end of the first half. Yeah. I mean, they were just, I mean, Matt Campbell and the Iowa state offense was smart because they, they saw they were a liability and they just kept picking on them over and over and over again. And the fact that the next time that both of them were in a position to contribute substantially coming off the bench, they both were more than ready. I was really impressed by that. I think that, um, you know, that's a, that's probably a hard lesson learned, especially if you're a true freshman, you know, you're 18 years old and, you know, are just what midway through of your first football season, um, the fact that they learned it that quickly shows a level of maturity that um, is, is a good sign, honestly. And you, if they were able to turn it around that quickly, I'm very intrigued to see how what they do this season, how much they take that next step, you know, with um, a whole season, you know, of kind of experience and, and knowing what the adversity in season, knowing you always got to be ready um, now I want to see what they're going to do from taking that next step at the corner position. They have the opportunity to secure it and it starts this spring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and think about those position groups lining up across from each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you talk about iron sh- sharpens iron. Um, you're having to track down Xavier Worthy uh, and all that, all that speed, Brennan Thompson, John Tay Cook, uh, and that'll, that'll sharpen you up. And that's, that's what it's going to take. And, you know, you look around the big 12 um, at, you know, some of the more prolific receivers and let's be honest, a couple of them were at TCU, you know, Quentin Johnson and, uh, and Darius Davis, um, you know, they move on. And now everyone's looking at Texas and saying, okay, they got all the talent. They got all the, the skill talent. So, you know, let's, uh, let's see it. And then let's see if the corners and the DBs at Texas day in, day out practice scrimmage can, can hang with these guys, because if they can, uh, then there shouldn't be anything they see in a game that surprises them. Yeah. Yeah. With the amount of speed that Texas has here in uh, this, sorry, I'm going to butcher this Teta pair one, saying Gavin Holmes is a burner. That's a guy we haven't seen yet too, but, uh, you know, has some experience coming from Wake Forest. So um, I really like the way that this secondary is kind of shaping up right now, Chip, not just at corner. I do like the potential at corner. Obviously Ryan Watts came in, was a huge um, impact guy and really helped, um, you know, that position, honestly, they needed him to be, the guy and he, he answered the call and he's back this season. Um, I like the potential of the cornerback room. I really like the potential of the secondary. Now the problem is we haven't seen a lot of it, right? <laughs> you know, and we haven't, we haven't seen Jalen Cadillon, if he can stay healthy, that type of stuff. But if, if all these things kind of align, this could be 
a really good secondary that Texas fields this year. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the things that, um, that um, we talked about this a little bit was a little bit problematic was the adjustment to the quarters match, um, you know, pass defense that was installed last year. Um, another year in the system talked about the importance of Jalen Catalan as a guy who can help to quarterback that secondary and make sure that guys are getting passed off the way they're supposed to be passed off when receivers pass from the outside into a, one of the interior uh, quarters of the field. And, and that's, that's where Texas got into trouble a little bit last year, gave up some big plays, uh, you know, as the, the safeties and the, either the nickel corner or the, uh, you know, field and boundary corner, the pass off wasn't clean. And, and at one point, Quentin Johnson, the best receiver on the field was wide open for a, a laughing, you know, walk in touchdown in one of the biggest games of the year. And that, that just cannot happen. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, that needs to get tightened up that, you know, everyone's got the physical ability. Okay. Are you communicating? Are you sure of your assignment? Are you assignment sound as a defense, especially in the secondary where you're the last line of defense? And I think that's where I'm looking for this defense to take the next step because the safeties and corners have to be totally in sync um, to be a championship defense. Yeah, they absolutely do. And, and, you know, I, I do think the fact that Texas has retained all of the coaches on the defensive side of the ball is huge. And I know that probably sounds silly, but it's been almost a revolving door change at Texas on, especially on defense when it comes to or, uh, coaching, you know, whether it's coordinators, position coaches, you name it, scheme changes, all of this stuff that I like that they're in the same scheme, same staff, entirely same staff um, on, on defense there, because, the more familiarity the coaches have with each other, with the personnel, the players have with each other and in the system, you can expect progress. Even if there are some open positions that they need to fill, I think that's something Texas lacked for so long was the consistency. And so even though there was talent on the rosters, it's like, okay, well, this guy's had three defensive coordinators in three years, three different schemes. They weren't the same, you know, <laughs> and, and even if, even if the schemes were the same, a lot of just the the getting to know the coaches and uh, and what the calls are. You know, there's just so much that I think the constant revolving door of change on defense is why the defense like had all the hype but never really lived up to it. That's where text. I feel like Steve Sarkeesian's done a good job of keeping the defensive staff together, kind of silencing the noise, especially after year one when Pete Quick everyone was wanting Pete Kwiatkowski fired. All of that, you know, I mean. I think he's done a really good job of maintaining that consistency. And now let's see it, you know, continue to, to progress and show up on the field because they, they've been recruiting too well to not and keeping the staff together to not have that next step um, on defense. Yeah. All right, Taylor, are you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more football talk coming up. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. First, love it or leave it. You're glad Texas will have no alternate uniforms for football because burnt orange is the color of sunsets and sunrises. Love it or leave it. Crystal Conte's statement there. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought this was hilarious. It went viral from his town hall meeting um, when he was talking about how some teams, he even mentioned his time at TCU, you know, they were doing anything they could to get attention in right. recruiting and all that. Um, I'm going to love this because Texas is iconic and their, their, their color is unique. Mm -hmm. I mean, who else is burnt orange? Right. You know, what is it? Pantone 11. Um, I agree. They're, they're iconic. They're classic. They don't need to, to, you know, trick it up. Um, so yeah, I'm going to love this. And I know people were getting on Del Conte that sunsets are certainly different colors other than burn <laughs> orange, but some are pink. Um, he's, he's got a point. I mean, there usually is some burn orange in the sunrise and the sunset Taylor. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really, I don't have too much of a Strong opinion. I would say that. Um, I, I do like the, you know, consistency and that the, you know, classic traditional type of college football jerseys. I mean, like, you know, Alabama has a Notre Dame, USC, Texas. Um, I, I, I understood what he was saying, though, like with a TCU where it's, you know, a smaller school that when he was there at times was not a power five school and they needed to get attention. They needed to try to draw recruits in because they're competing for recruits in the state of Texas against schools like Texas, Texas A&M, and then, you know, other schools coming in, Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, all of that type of stuff there. They needed to kind of do that. I don't think Texas needs to, I wouldn't be opposed though, if there was like maybe a different, you know, like, pants or something like I think keep the the jerseys the same but you can switch something up maybe I don't know I again I don't really have too strong of an opinion um so I wouldn't say I'm glad uh I would just say that it's kind of expected at this point so I don't know if that means I love it or leave it though <laughs> I guess I guess I'll I'll uh I'll love it just because I I just don't really care <laughs> if I'm honest all right all right love it or leave it number two <laughs> All right. Second one is love it or leave it. Anything other than Texas facing Texas A&M, Oklahoma, and Arkansas as permanent football opponents in the SEC would be a disappointment. Hmm. I don't know. Facing A&M, Oklahoma, and LSU would be pretty cool. Um, 
honestly, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. So I'm going to. You just want to go to games there, don't yeah, I? Just lie. Go to <laughs> exactly. So we didn't get this. to go in 2020. <laughs> I'm going to leave this. I mean, I do think it will be Texas facing AM, Oklahoma, and Arkansas as permanent football opponents in the SEC. Um, but I would I would take LSU over Arkansas in that equation. Taylor, how about you? Um yeah, I'm going to leave it. I, I think Arkansas or LSU would be fine. I think they definitely need to play A&M, obviously have to play Oklahoma. That's a no question about it. That needs to be done. I feel like even like, you know, people want to, Aggies want to say this, Longhorns want to say this, like they, they don't care about each other. I literally saw earlier in the stream that there was an Aggie commenting and saying like, go Ags, y'all care about each other. You need to play each other every year, every year. It's, it's good for football. It's good for the state of Texas. And it's, it's just, you know, I, it's, I just loved that rivalry when it was there. So that's a no question, Oklahoma, no question. I think Arkansas or LSU could be kind of interchanged. So I will leave it to them. I like it. All right. Love it or leave it. Number three. All right, last one. Love it or leave it. Kansas will have wrapped up the Big 12 regular season championship by the time the Jayhawks come to Austin to face Texas on March 4th. Okay, that would mean that Texas loses tonight against TCU, and I am I'm leaving this. Um, here's my rationale. Texas' best game of the year to me this year was the win at Kansas State because Kansas State was playing well. Um, Texas was behind in that game, came back, won it on the road. It was a huge win against a purple team. And now Texas has to go on the road, beat a purple team that's playing well. Mike Miles is back for TCU uh, from injury. He missed uh, a few games. He's averaging 16 a game. Uh, Eddie Lampkin, their big guy who did play against Texas in their first meeting, is Apparently a game time decision tonight. I just, if Texas wants to do what it wants to do in the, in the NCAA tournament, I feel like they need to win this game. And then I think they beat Kansas and they do get a share, but it's all predicated on tonight. Texas has not lost two games in a row all year. I'm going to ride with that trend and I'm going to leave this. Kansas will not have wrapped up the Big 12 regular season championship by the time they show up in Austin on Saturday. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but I'm going to leave it. Taylor, how about you? It's I want to leave it, but I will say Texas in road games for the last month has, has not been great. I mean, they've lost, what, the last three straight road games, I believe. The last one they won was... Kansas State, as you had mentioned, but then they lost at Kansas. They lost at Texas Tech. They lost at Baylor um, all in the month of February. They're so much better at home. Um, but I, I think that this team's mature enough to know what is on the line. So I'm going to leave it, and I'll say that they're going to end that road losing streak, and they need to, honestly, because, I mean, are they hosting the NCAA tournament? No. So they're going to be on the road sometime <laughs> coming up here. So, yeah, I'm going to leave it, too. Yeah, plus it would just be a truly amazing story if they were able to win a share of the Big 12 regular season championship after having their coach dismissed. Um, 
suspended and then dismissed eight games into the season. And, um, and so what a game, what a game tonight. Um, all right, folks, we'll be back to wrap up that game and get uh, spring football going again, spring football for Texas starting on Monday. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you for stopping in and listening to the flagship podcast Checking us out on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. Um, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. <laughs>